This is the EWN Podcast Network. Today we talk with architect Jennifer Hopple, AIA architect and president of Burge Architects Malibu, about building sustainable luxury homes overlooking the Malibu coast and the lessons we can learn from these projects for all levels of new home construction. Welcome to From Disaster to Dream Home, the podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process. When interior designer Jana Rosenblatt had an 80-foot tree fall on her house, she saw the opportunity to create the customized home of her dreams. From Disaster to Dream Home provides you with the information and resources Jana wished she had during her rebuilding process. Now she's sharing with you the expertise of leading architects and home builders and the newest products and materials on the market. Here's your host, Jana Rosenblatt. Welcome back, home builders and remodelers. In recent episodes, we have spoken about alternative building options worth considering when rebuilding your home after a fire or natural disaster. Whether you are looking to rebuild with cutting edge materials that will increase the safety aspects of your home, looking for an affordable home created with shipping containers or prefabricated modules, you will find a great deal of information on our previous episodes on alternative building material methods. To catch these episodes, go to www.fromdisastertodreamhome.com. Our listeners will remember when we introduced you to the Marisol Zero series, currently being built on the coast here in Malibu, California. Burge Architects Malibu has teamed up with California-based development firm Crown Point Estates to create a collection of of four zero-carbon homes. In collaboration with foremost experts in structural engineering and carbon planning to deliver world-class homes that limit carbon emissions and sequester as much carbon as possible. The first in the series was just completed in July of 2021 and holds the distinction of being California's first zero carbon home as certified by the International Living Future Institute, the world's most rigorous green building standard. In this episode, we are privileged to speak once again with Jennifer Hopple, president and AIA architect at Burge Architects. Jennifer, welcome back. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited about it. Before we dive into our topic today, Tell me about how long you've been with Burge Architects and what your primary role is. Um, I've been with Burge since, uh, let's see, I think January of 2024, no, 2015. Uh So um, almost seven years um, right after the birth of my second daughter. That's when I, when I joined the team. Uh Uh-huh. Um, And uh, my role is I'm currently, I'm the president of Burge. And um, I'm an architect um, and uh, working on projects as well as, you know, larger, larger scope things. And raising two girls. And, yes. Uh, yeah, yes. I, I'm surprised we got this hour from you. So I'm truly grateful. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I understand Absolutely. that you studied architecture and sustainable design at the University of Minnesota. How has your interest in sustainable design directed your career? 
Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, more years ago than I'd like to admit. Um, I, I got my bachelor's and master's from University of Minnesota, and um, it was all in architecture with a focus on a, on sustainable design. Um, that's what I did my thesis on, on, you know, kind of daylighting and those techniques. And again, many years ago, the focuses were, uh, they were a bit different, but, um, you know, it's something I've always been very interested in and, and wanted to incorporate. And, um, you know, it's always a little bit different when you go from university setting of research and that sort of thing into the real world and trying to implement those techniques. Yet you also have real life clients who, ultimately make a lot of the decisions. So as much as we can try to push things here and there, um, you know, they're, they're real life concerns and budgets and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So um, while we always try to implement as much sustainability as we can, it's been a huge, um, you know, highlight <laughs> to have this, this current project that we're working yeah, on where the uh-huh. clients are just a hundred percent in. Yeah. Is- have you been like pinching yourself, like the perfect you know, job for the time. <laughs> yeah, it, it's great. It's great to be, to be really diving in, not just at yeah. a surface level. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, even just to, on the, on the hearing about it, and, end of it. Um, Jennifer, remind us how Burge Architects became um, a part of this amazing project. Um, so we've been actually working with a Crown Point team for, for years. Um, the, the Marisol property and the, the, the development has, um, you know, been under development for, you know, a decade or more. Oh. And we were brought in to um, start designing some of the homes to give an idea of what could be. And we've, we've developed already a number of homes for private homeowners on the properties. And then also one um, spec home that they already built with a Crown Point estate. And then for these last four properties, um, these are all this is where the the developer is really kind of going all in and they're developing these four spec homes in the way that they you know, have always envisioned, which is with a uh, with a green agenda, with this zero carbon um, agenda, and um, you know, we're just really, really excited to be to be working with the team on these. Mm-hmm. And so, these are some of the last houses in the development. The development is already right. really far along. Oh, yeah, I don't right. know why I never connected that, but that makes complete sense. So, can you describe the first four uh, homes that are being completed? Absolutely. Um, the, the, the four, the zero series, um, there are four, um, and there, you know, we've actually already kind of worked out most of the design for all four. Um, and they're each in different stages of development. Uh-huh. So this first one was just completed in, in July, um, and it's fully, um, built and it's, you know, on the market now we've got fantastic photographs and, you know, walkthroughs. It's really an incredible, incredible property. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about that um, more. Um, and then the the second one, we're currently in um, the permitting process on that one. And, and that is, um, you know, I've been working on, the, on that a lot actively lately. Uh-huh. Um, and then the other two um, are at different stages of, you know, the design is there and we're working on engineering and, and different development stages of those. So they, they will be rolled out um, kind of one by one. And has the um, specifics of the program and the program's goals for zero carbon um, output, has uh, that made it challenging in the, um, in the going through the city and getting permitted? Are there things you're doing that need to be explained or are they open and excited about it? Um, you know, it, it has not been too bad. We, there's a few details here and there where we say, you know, this is the status quo and this is what you may expect to see 
you know, county or plan checker. Um, but here, here are the listings of why, you know, this is an equal and, and, and um, acceptable alternative. Um, but really that has not been, it hasn't been too bad. Uh, it, it's, it's been fairly similar to our normal process through, mm-hmm. um, through the, where this is actually in the County of Ventura, that's our permitting authority for these homes. So it, it, it's been, you know, on par with what we would expect for any home of this size. We haven't mm-hmm. had major issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that reminds me to explain to our audience. I just want to describe the scale of these homes. Um, the, uh, the first one completed is a $32 million 14,429 square foot home on 2.48 acres of Ocean View property. Uh, with um, It's a modern ranch style with six bedrooms, six full bathrooms and three half bathrooms. Then luxury features like a home theater, dual refrigerated wine rooms, it, the list goes on and on. Um, how is the architectural style of the home determined? You know, that's really, um, for, for this first one, each, each lot is slightly different. Um, so you know, yeah. the lots definitely influence what can be built. And uh, uh-huh. again, the developers, um, Crown Point, they really know these lots. They've been working with them. They've developed them from scratch. Um, yeah. So they know where the best views are, where the best, you know, and they have visions for them. So they would bring to us the different ideas of what they had, and then we would shape them, you know, we would, you know, and we did go back and forth. There were multiple different iterations. You know, we looked at two stories. We looked at one stories. We looked at a more modern look. Um, and we ultimately came up with this, this current one that we just finished, um, the, the, the first of the four, um, as this modern ranch. And, um, you know, it was, we think it turned out beautifully. It, it, it this specific site was lar- one of the larger sites in the Marisol development, the two and a half acre, um, site and we have a large flat pad. It's got incredible, obviously bluff top ocean views to the oh, south. Yeah. Um, and then usually, uh, frequently with with these oceanfront homes, you're focusing all your attention on the ocean, right? Well, this this specific lot and actually the one adjacent to it too has incredible views out the north. It, it oh. was right up to the Santa Monica Mountains. Uh-huh. There's yeah. beautiful mountain views. views. You can see the the mountain ranges. Um, you know, so it's, it's really incredible views on all four sides of this property, oh. yet they're very different views depending uh-huh. on where you're looking. So we were really able to take advantage of that with this, this home design, having courtyards on the North that were kind of mountain view and, and hidden from the winds and then huge patios on the South overlooking the ocean with the pool and, you know, that, that large expansive Vista. Uh-huh. Um, and then a little courtyard on the, on the East that is this incredible garden, um, just incredibly lush landscape. So we were, we were able to use the features of that particular site to, to influence the design. And we really felt that the modern ranch allowed us to, um, almost all of the rooms have pocketing doors that allow you to walk out into the landscape. So wow. putting everything on one level really allowed us to integrate the inside experience the interior and exterior space with the yeah. exterior, right. And, and allowed you to walk on the space um, from every room and, and walk indoor to outdoor in every room and experience those courtyards. So then did you, um, are the other three houses in process, are they all then one story or did you go up for any reasons? Um, no, actually. So the next one in, in line is, is kind of the adjacent parcel. Um, and that is actually a one story. 
um, as well. Um, but it's, it's a very different style. It's, um, you know, we kind of call it, a, it's, it's a slightly Hawaiian tropical, uh-huh. um, but it's on a raised decking. So uh-huh. we're raising it up. So you get a little higher view of the ocean. It's got, it's, it, it's got different, it, this is all coming, <laughs> you know, they're going to, I'm sure market this one as well, but it's, it's a, it's, while it is all one story, we've got different wings of the house, which are really kind of unique features uh-huh. and, and, and different. Um, the site is set up with a tennis court and, and, um, you know, these different kind of wings that are all interconnected. Um, also, you know, with the raised crawl space, we're going up and down some levels so that it's not all on grade. Um, we're stepping up a little bit to get different views and have different, it's definitely a different feel than the first one. Yeah, it sounds uh, amazing. Each one of them sounds like uh, a really unique gem. Um, in fact, will we? is there going to be an opportunity for people to tour any of these homes to be able to teach about this technology? You know, that's a good question. Um, uh, right now you can tour 17 It's because it's on the market. Um, but oh, of course- yeah. Once that's sold, there's going to be an owner there. So that's yes. a different story. And we would have to work with, with whoever ultimately buys this residence. And, yeah, and, and that's another question I was thinking about. Uh, is it like with a medical um, study when once you're involved in it, they're going to check up on you in years to come? Uh, does the homeowner have to buy into the house being monitored for its success? So um, that that's a very good question. So the ILFI which is the um, agency that is certifying our zero carbon status. And um, typically what they require to get the zero carbon certification, they require not only you you, um, documenting the materials and everything that's going into the house, how the house functions, um, where the materials are coming from, the embodied carbon, and also the the carbon that's um, created from the use of the house, they typically require 12 months of occupancy data to, sh- to prove that, you know, we've designed this in theory that it won't use carbon during your life right. cycle, during your year, but they, they want you to prove that. So yeah. the problem with, you know, building this as a spec home, we can't prove that, right? Because we don't have an end user. Right. But so right. what we were able to do, and again, we, we've got a really great team. We were working on Stoke with this, who worked with the ILFI to create a new certification, which is um, net zero, um, zero carbon ready. So mm-hmm. that means that they've certified that everything we did in the construction, in how the materials were, were made in the t- materials we sourced, where the materials came from, all of this was input into this certification that yes, we did this and it is net, it, it is net zero. And the systems that we put in should result in net zero, including the usage of the end occupant. But um, so we got, the, they, they created this new one for that it's, it's ready. And then if the owner chooses, and we hope that the owner will to, to submit the data after one year to the ILFI, then it will officially achieve that, that the full certification of that it is zero carbon. So it's kind of a two-stage process. Yeah, I imagine. I mean, I hope that, I hope these homeowners would buy, you know, into the concept because it's such an, an integral part of the home they're buying. Absolutely. Uh, that, and even if yeah. they don't choose to certify it, yeah, 
it should run that way regardless. You know, yeah. all the all the systems that we've put in yeah. should make it run that way regardless. It's just a matter of the, if they want to go through with a, the official certification. And we certainly hope that they do. And we we, we feel that anyone who's going to buy this home yeah. is going to see the value in that and, and want right. to do that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be really part of the amazing fascination besides that it's probably beyond imagination, beautiful and a place anyone would want to live. And I would like to make these people my good friend and I can visit. <laughs> right. So, you know, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so what are some of the specific carbon re- reduction strategies incorporated from the foundation through the framing materials and roofing and utilities? Um, I can ask you some you know, specifics about that. So if you want to start with a little bit of an overview, then I'll add, I'll add some specific questions I've been, been harboring. Sure. Sure, absolutely. So again, I'll say that this is very much a team effort. Um, you know, it, it's from the the owner buying off and going in a hundred percent that yes, we're going to do this. To us, you know, absolutely being we were a thousand percent on board, excited to to make sure that everything that we designed was you know, worked for this and, and detailed it out. Um, but then we, we also brought on, the owner brought on um, two companies, Stoke, which um, did all the carbon analysis mm-hmm. and, um, you know, helped us there. And also Beyond Efficiency, which helped with our, um, you know, the material, or I'm sorry, the the energy efficiency, the energy modeling, how that was going to be done. So again, we brought in experts in the field to help us with this. I don't want to, you know, make it seem that we did this all on our own because it was, yeah, it was an amazing were uh, collaboration. Yeah, they were absolutely essential to making that happen. Um, so every decision that we looked at from, you know, our foundation design to, you know, the framing materials to where we use steel versus where we used wood to um, the type of roofing we used, the insulation we used, all, every single detail was um, reviewed for its carbon um, impact. Um, so, and, and as I mentioned, we've done other projects in the same development um, previously for, you know, private homeowners, or even we did one for the, um, this developer, you know, years ago. So we were able to look at what the standard um, procedure, like what we would have done had there not been the carbon agenda, uh-huh. look at that and then analyze the carbon in that decision and then look at other options and then really and we utilize the you know these com- companies that I mentioned to to do that data analysis. Uh-huh. How much embodied carbon was in that post tension slab foundation? Uh-huh. How much? And then we had our and our um, structural engineer look at what does it mean to make it a raised foundation. And actually, we were still at grade, but we 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 dug a crawl space underneath. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you know, was that was the total, you know, concrete is a, is a big offender because uh-huh. of the cement and the heat that has to be, you know, used for all of uh-huh. this. So, you know, if we can reduce the concrete use in the foundations, then that helps. Right. So we, we did analysis of that foundation system versus this foundation system. And then also taking into the fact, okay, well, we need formwork, then we need grading, then we need, you know, to get all the joists, which we didn't need basically doing a thorough analysis of the, the overall effect of both systems and then making this and then choosing whichever was the better solution for this, mm-hmm. um, this now, project. How much time did that add to the normal design process of developing a new property? Um, you know, it probably added a little time, but uh-huh. it, in the overall scheme of things, it, it you know, we were still able to keep moving. 
Yeah. Um, because that analysis could be done while other things were happening. Uh-huh. So in, I don't think it slowed us down at all. Oh, it was I just imagine, we had to think about up front. And it makes it so much, I mean, now you can learn from what you've already built, but you right. also have so much information now to apply exactly. to the other three homes. It'll be um, more, much more normal. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, moving up through like the, the framing systems, there were, there were areas where, um, we would typically just use a steel beam. Um, but we went to our structural engineer and said, okay, can we, how we would like to eliminate as much steel as possible in this house. If we absolutely cannot do it in any other way, for example, in this 17, in, in lot 17, we have these huge, this huge volume down the center and it has bent steel beams that Uh was just not physically possible to do with wood. So um, we did use steel there, but every other, you know, the headers, we went to wood or, or some sort of type of engineered wood um, and eliminated steel anywhere we could. Um, then when we, um, we were not able, in the few places we were not able to eliminate the steel, um, we researched um, and we found, and again, we being the team, I'm not going to try to take credit for all of this, uh-huh. but it was really a team effort um, and found the highest content recycled steel we possibly could, which I believe uh-huh. we got 97% recycled steel. Uh-huh. Um, and also not only recycled, we had to look at where it came from because if we're getting 97% recycled steel, but it's being shipped from China, well, that's not, right. <laughs> it defeats the purpose, right? So it had to be all local within a certain radius of our, our job site so that we weren't spending extra carbon on transport. And the same thing with the wood, all the wood had to be from FSC certified, um, you know, forest, forests and, um, you know, making sure that they were um, being grown in the proper way and that they were sustainable. We're not cutting down, you know, rainforests for the wood in our, in our home. That's right. And it also, uh, and also coming locally. So locally. Yeah. Yeah. So how much, um, how many areas in the, around California or are they in other States? Are they, um, are they growing timber specifically to be, you know, used in a way that's more carbon sensitive? You know, there, there are a number of areas around, uh, around the, Pacific Northwest and California, Northern California that, that do have a FSC certified forestry divisions and, and you can get them from there. Again, we were very conscious about where those were coming from. And, you know, I, I don't have the specifics in front of me about where each, um, uh-huh. all the wood came from, but it, we, we do have it documented. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and the quantities that were, came from each area. And are the, is the price of wood that's built for sustainability com- comparable to, you know, any wood that, that you can get in, in great num- you know, amounts of material? I, I do believe there is a premium. I can't tell you off uh-huh. the top of my head what that, that is, but um, it's not something that's insurmountable. Uh-huh. Um, and uh-huh. certainly, you know, again, for, for these sort of things, we, we had to make that value choice that that was very important to us. And, you know, for a, a small premium, again, we were able to do the cost comparison that we did not increase our budget or our time, um, doing these. And that was, that was critical as well. Again, for this project, um, we did obviously the $32 million price point allows us a little bit of extra, um, flexibility, flexibility. Yes. That's a good word. Um, but again, that was never the intent. We wanted to show that we are, we could do this for, you know, that it wasn't adding additional cost to add these sustainable features. Right. And I mean, one would hope that the more 
people are conscious of where their timber comes from, Absolutely. the more there, there'll be a market for it, the more the pricing will become more and more competitive. And, you know, that this is all moving us in a wave of, of a better conscience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, talk a little bit about the mechanical systems in the house, the um, the heating and air and, you know, water and things like that. In what ways were the goals of the project affect these choices? Absolutely. So, you know, what's interesting is um, there is a um, kind of the wave of the future. You're going to see this coming. Uh-huh. Um, they call it the electrification of homes. Uh-huh. So carbon in general is released, you know, heat and that sort of thing. So anytime you're burning things, anytime you're burning gas, for example, a gas stove or a um, uh, gas water heater or anything like that, you're inherently releasing carbon. So um, there are certain cities in California already that have implemented electrification of residences into their building code. And we're expecting that that's going to come become normal um, in the years and decades to come. So basically there's, for example, in certain cities, and I don't know the name of the cities off the top of my head, but they have implemented in their building code that any new ground up homes cannot even have a gas line to the property. Everything has to be electric. Uh And the idea there is that electric is inherently clean if it's done properly, right? So you can have solar power, you can have even wind power, all these things can be generated with clean, um, you know, without, without burning, without gas fuels, without um, um, fossil fuels. So um, we really looked at, and actually as part of the ILFI uh, zero carbon certification, you cannot have gas burning appliances on your property. So for example, we do not have a gas stove. We have an induction cooktop, uh-huh. which I, I know that's that's a tricky thing for people because people love their gas stoves. But you'll you'll see things all over with like the world's highest, you know, uh, most well-known chefs using induction cooktops because it's they they you know say they can cook just as well. It's absolutely a, a superior product, that sort of thing. So again, these were all decisions we had to make. Um, we instead of having a gas heated pool, uh, pool uh-huh. heaters. We have an uh-huh. electric pool heaters. Um, we have filtration systems, zender systems that make sure that, I mean, that's a whole different co- uh, conversation, but filtering the air that's coming in to make sure that we have a healthy home as well. Mm-hmm. Um, using, um, um, oh, for example, fireplaces, right? Fireplaces yeah. are burning, burning wood, which yeah. again, in, in, in California, we can't burn wood anyway because of our air quality issues. Um, so we all have gas fireplaces. Well, this, we can't even have a gas fireplace. So what we did was put in, there are these really phenomenal, um, I mean, I guess appliances, fireplaces in the word because it's not fire, but it, they're water vapor fireplaces. And yeah, they- I'm dying to hear, under, understand more about that. How does that work? It's, it's water vapor. And I, gosh, I wish that, you know, if this was a video here, I could show you a video, but um, they, it actually looks just like fire with light and water vapor. And then uh-huh. it looks just like flames. It acts like flames. It dances around like flames, uh-huh. and you can, but uh-huh. you can literally, I have a video of myself doing this in the house, sticking, you can stick your hand right through the flames. It's so funny. You said that there, there's a, uh, a granite uh, and stone slab distributor here in the valley that has one and oh, I'm yeah. fascinated by it and finally I walked over to it and I put my hand in this thing yeah that like flame yeah it is unbelievable we're we're gonna have to show a video yeah that, um, that it is an amazing amazing thing so it gives you all the romance without the heat 
Yeah, well, and you can, so you can have heat, like most of the ones that we, oh, installed, okay, good. they have a heat option. It's actually on a remote, oh. just like if you have like a, a gas fireplace where you can turn it on and off via a switch or a button and you can, you can adjust the flames, the heights, and you can turn on and off the heat. So you can have the flame and not have the heat. Like if you're in the middle of summer and you want the ambiance of the fire, but you don't need the heat, you just turn on the flame and not the heat. <laughs> it's really an interesting, it's an interesting wow. uh, It sounds amazing. Product to, you know, have that to live with. Yeah. It, um, it, it, that was a neat one for us. That was, yeah, you know, yeah it's, it's we really found now that we, that those have places in other areas when we don't have room for a chimney stack or we don't have the ventilation for a real fireplace. We have clients that just cool. Let's put that in instead. <laughs> and so all of these cool um, technologies have existed. What was important in uh, working with your team experts in all these different fields was bringing all these things together to right. work in one place. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, they, they have existed and, and, and the, 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 the main thing is just making conscious decisions, you know, just not going with a status quo. Oh yeah, of course. Well, we need a fireplace. So let's just, you know, throw in this standard, you know, box fireplace that we use everywhere else. And oh no, let's look at that a little bit better. Let's, uh -huh. let's make the decision with, um, uh, the awareness of, of our ultimate goal. And, you know, again, we, we didn't, we never found any issue that was insurmountable. You know, we were always able uh -huh. to find something that, that, you know, ultimately worked better and, and we were really happy with the results. Yeah. It, it, and so I realized that the homeowner is also buying into all of these new and different systems. Mm -hmm. you know, so if they're used to cooking with gas, they're going to, you know, learn something different. So I would imagine that these will be people who really want to continue the study of, of what they're, you know, living with because they're buying into a lot like a project to learn how right. to live in some of these ways. Well, and um, you know, it's, it, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, there's been such a movement lady lately with just health in general. People are yeah. very much into um, making sure they they're eating organic. Right. And that they're they're yoga and they're exercising and they want, um, you know, to buy their their foods at farmers markets and the farm to table. Like it's it's really um, pervasive in our culture. Now it's yeah. become the norm. Like, you know, everyone just expects that you're getting organic and he expects that that's just the way that you live. Right. Uh -huh. So, you know, I think that the next step of that involvement is, is expecting the same out of your home. You know, if you're saying what I'm putting in my body, the organic foods, the natural foods, the non-processed foods, I, I expect that for what I put in my body. Well, what about what I'm living in, what about my environment? Shouldn't mm -hmm. my home also be of the same um, caliber or the same thought process, right? Like I should be living in a healthy home and that's what we have here. Wow. Um, also, you mentioned earlier, um, they've put so much effort into the landscape at this house. I mean, the yeah. phenomenal. Like I walked yeah. through it the other day and could not get over the landscape. Uh -huh. It's lush. And, you know, again, as we, we spoke a little bit about in the last, the kind of the ending of the last podcast, but, you know, wood in itself and plants in itself naturally sequester carbon. Mm -hmm. That's what we learned in our, our early childhood education, right? Plants take the carbon dioxide. We breathe out our carbon dioxide and they take it in. Same sort of thing. They're sequestering carbon in inherently, right? So the, the amount of vegetation and trees and landscape and bushes is just incredible on this property. And then on top of that, they've got a beautiful 
bioorganic garden right next to a beautiful farmhouse table that's on, and again, when we were talking about these courtyards on the north courtyard that, that goes up against the mountain, the Santa Monica Mountains to the north, um, we have this beautiful trellis with a wood table underneath that also that opens up to there's a orchard of, um, you know, uh, all sorts of plants, lemons and limes and avocados. And I can't even name all the different. And each of the four houses has its own little nucleus of this organic vegetable garden and the orchard and all of those things are individual to each home. Well, yes, for certainly what I'm spe certainly speaking of is lot yeah. 17 that is in existence right now. This is uh -huh. all on lot 17. There's the, um, the you know, the beehives that are for the pollination and the honey, you can get your own honey from your own beehive right there. Yeah. You've got the, like the raised planters of all the different vegetables that are right there and you can pick your own vegetables and herbs from your garden and literally talk about literally like farm to table or, you know, you, you can yeah. pull your own little baby carrots out of the ground and wash them off right there. We've got an, the kitchen opens up with, um, pocketing counter height windows. So the counter height opens up your sinks right there. You can go from inside to outside to the table all, you know, within minutes, <laughs> you're, you're literally eating off of the land right, right there. Yes. Yeah, so does the house come with a person who's going to make all of this work for you or at least it, recommendations of people? Absolutely. Actually, the, the, I believe that as part of the listing, they are including, I don't recall if it's one or two years of the oh, beekeeper right. to uh -huh. keep honey uh -huh. hives <laughs> active and working. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure about the, the, the garden, but I would assume that as well. It's, it, they really, it's already, it, it's really incredible how mm -hmm. much is already there. Yeah, well, if, again, I mean, if that's it, if that's important to you, and it is for so many people, mm -hmm. um, you know, hopefully the technology that we're going to learn from this whole like nucleus of a farm home, you know, will will be something that we can all learn from. And some of the additional features that are implemented and used, I wonder how they're um, exactly tying in uh, solar panels. I know they're in use in the home. How will they be functioning? So we do have a solar system on the property um, and we also have battery backups. So frequently in these areas in Malibu in general, we get a lot of blackouts, unfortunately, from the um, due to you know power grids or whether it be fires, you know, which is another conversation we can have. But so we frequently have will have large diesel generators on these properties. So in you know we that clearly is not a good thing for a carbon neutral home, and you know right. no one really likes that. Those are they're noisy and they're smelly and they're yeah. big and bulky. So we have you know battery backups. Um, on top of that, Ventura County offers you know, our utility company offers a feature where you can choose to have 100% of your electricity from sustainable sources, um, wind and elect and solar. Uh -huh. So, you know, we have signed up for that option. So we are connected to the grid, um, but we are getting 100% of our electricity is coming through the grid from sustainable sources. Um, wow. So you think there'll be a time when there's a windmill in one of the houses? I certainly, certainly could. I could see oh, that. That yeah. would be really cool. <laughs> that would be very cool. Yeah. And so then, of course, you're, there is an electric car charging port. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then talk about the roofing materials. I understand they're yes. standing seam aluminum. Can you tell me what that is? And it's yes. recycled material. Absolutely. And, you know, this is a pretty a normal building material that we use a lot in our uh -huh. home. Um, standing seam metal roof. Um, not So we made sure when we put this on that we had the highest you know, that we, we sourced our standing seam metal 
from the highest recycled content available. So we, we found the company that could guarantee and verify that they had the highest content recycled metal as part of that. Um, and that also that it can be recycled at the end of its life cycle as well. So that was very important. We, we looked into that then as well. Um, we also were really um, conscious about the type of insulation the underlayment, all of that, we went, we, we tried to find the underlayment under the metal roof that was the most, um, you know, carbon uh, efficient, as well as looking at our insulation. So, you know, doing a, a blown in um, insulation, uh, dense pack cellulose is what they call it, that we, we put up a netting and we blow in the insulation. Um, you know, there's, there's great insulation techniques where it's a spray in, but then that aerosol that is not a good carbon. Yeah. Yeah. So even though that provides a great level of insulation, you're simultaneously hurting the environment while you're protecting the insulation of your home. So, you know, we really took a long look at all of those aspects. And this was another one where we had consultants that that helped us analyze here's option A, here's option B, and, you know, all the way up to C, D, E, F, G of these different insulation options uh -huh. and really look at the impact of each choice that we could possibly make and see what what the best outcome was for us. And what is what is a standing seam aluminum roof look like? Does it um, mimic different other kinds of roof styles or is it unique to itself? Um, it's, I mean, it's kind of a unique to itself. It, you use it on a, on a pitch roof. Uh -huh. um, it's not for a flat roof. It's, it's for a pitch roof with usually, I think it's a minimum of, of 2.5 and 12 pitch uh -huh. or three and 12 pitch. Um, but it's, it, I mean, it's been in use for many, many yeah. years. Like it's that smooth with, with, you know, ridges every. Eight, yeah. So eight, it's, eight. they're usually on a certain increment yeah. and they actually clip their long flat panels with then a, they call it a standing seam where it's, it's bent up maybe right. an inch and a half, and then it interlocks with the next panel. Got it. Um, I'm sure it's, it's, it's well used. They've used it. I, I mean, there's even a whole community down the seaside Florida, which is like, you know, um, is a well-known in the architectural community. That's all standing steam metal roofs. You can get them in all sorts of colors. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, and a, a lot of times we'll use it if we're, you know, a lot of our clients want to take a more traditional looking home and make it look a little bit more modern, but they don't want to go all the way and like flatten the roofs and rip off the, you know, so we can keep a, a, a pitched roof, but with a bit of a modern edge to it. Mm -hmm. um, and so we use it frequently for, for projects like that. And uh, will all four houses have the same roof style? Of course, it can be different colors and things like that. Uh, so no, um, for out of the four, we have two that are pitched roofs and two that are flat roofs. Oh, interesting. Yep. And then the other, um, again, they're all a bit different. So um, one of them, the next one we're working on has a split pitch roof. So we change pitches, you know, at a certain point in the roof. Um, the, the, the third one that we're working on is actually the largest that, that property is actually a much, much larger property and goes up the hill. Um, and it actually is three stories and oh. then it has, it's flat on the uh -huh. flat roofs, but with roof decks and that sort of thing. And then the last property is a smaller house that's on a one acre parcel. Um, but it also is flat roofs. So Mm -hmm. They're all completely different in their styling and their, and their um, design, but uh -huh. they will all have the same carbon agenda. So, yeah. So you're really experimenting and identifying different materials. It's like a, you're creating a library Absolutely. of options. Yeah, Absolutely. And you know, that's the thing that, that, that we want, we want to, you know, emphasize that, like I said, 
you don't have sustainable design does not have to look a certain way. You can make really any design that you're working with by making the right decisions. Mm -hmm. You can, you can make it, you know, whether it's a hundred percent green or even, you know, whatever incremental um, point you can make good decisions and make it carbon zero. You really Mm -hmm. can. Um, you know, and of course there's better choices and worse choices, but, you know, we're just trying to emphasize you just make, just make good choices, you know, even if it's, even if you're 90%, that's certainly better than 0%. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even if you didn't get all the way to hundred percent, like make good choices and and you don't have to impact, you don't have to lose design quality. You don't have to lose luxury. Like we said in this one, you know, that's the goal, you know, the whole goal of the project and diverse design, uh, you know, impacts the neighborhood. So you want yeah. it to be uh, each one to be unique to some degree. Uh, did um, Burge Architects act as both the interior designer and, you know, and the exterior designer in this case? Uh, I mean, did you do a lot of most of the interior design details? Um, we didn't. Um, for this, we uh, Crown Point has a team of interior designers that they've worked with for most of their homes. Um, but we work, we work in tandem with them. We work uh-huh. with them to help, um, you know, select things when they need it or, um, you know, materials. We, we'll give our opinions and help on that, but they have their own team that they're mm-hmm. doing the interiors. We did the architecture. And so do you know about um, the Paliform kitchen, for example, what made that unique and made that the choice that was, that they went with? Um, the Polyform Kitchen. I mean, that's a, we're we're partners with them. We do have our own interior design division and, yes, and we yeah. partner with Polyform frequently. Um, you know, they, they just have a beautiful look. They're really high, high quality. Um, it, it just really went with the the clean modern ranch look that we were going for. Um, I know they've got some um, integrated countertops, integrated lighting, integrated, um, you know, cabinetry that kind of seamlessly blends into the wall. Um, but again, I would have to let them talk about, um, the specific features of, mm-hmm. of lot 17, because that was, that was more on the interior design aspect, but, you know, we, as, as Burge, as a company, we work with Polyform all the time and we've just found their quality and their design, their detailing, every, every aspect of, of what they produce has been really top notch. And, and so we were really happy to have them on this project. Cool. So I think it might be fun after uh, another couple of the houses are done to maybe talk to the interior design team uh, about it because there were some you know really specific choices made that I'd love to hear more about. Yeah, absolutely. So then, as the architects on the project, were you involved in the um, the in the ex some of the exterior landscape design, or how did you collaborate with the people who did that work? Um, yeah, we, I mean, we, we kind of all collaborated together. We put together kind of a site concept plan and, you know, where different, um, where different, um, components would be located, the pool, um, you know, there was a bio swale to catch all the, the rainwater runoff and naturally filter it before it goes off to the drainage drainage system. So again, we work with the, the civil engineer on that, how we're going to work with all the water. Um, then the, we have a landscape architect who's on board, uh-huh. um, rich, who's part of the, the crown point team is uh-huh. just a phenomenal, um, <laughs> visionary on the landscape on in his own right. So he definitely has a lot to do with the landscape and his own vision of how that should be implemented. Um, but absolutely, we, we all work together really well as a team and, mm-hmm. and look at the types of courtyard spaces 
we're looking at, again, we're kind of looking at it from the architecture standpoint, what you see at the end of the view, we have this beautiful, like as you enter, you actually enter lot 17 from the West. Normally one of the things we like to do architecturally is open the front door and see all the way through. So as you open that front door, you're getting that immediate gorgeous view of the ocean, right? Uh Well, in this house, we kind of turned that and we're entering from the West. So when you open that big grand front door, instead of looking straight out to the ocean, you're looking straight across this huge, large vaulted great room to a full window wall Uh that looks into a beautiful lush courtyard. And they put an incredible um, full tree in there that, and I, I, I'm sorry, I'm losing the, the uh-huh. type of tree as we're speaking here, but, um, it, it, it's just the most picturesque, beautiful mm-hmm. framed opening, which is actually an entire wall opening uh-huh. of windows to look out to the courtyard, to look out to the landscape, which uh-huh. is a kind of a turn. And then as you enter into this big, great room, the ocean view actually presents itself to you to your right to the south as you walk in and then you're redirected and you just get the second wow factor as you Uh enter into the Uh space so you know it's really all these kind of found places along your journey into the house that that really just keep the keep those you know wow moments Uh happening as you as you (laughs) go further and further into the space Oh, it's too bad you're not enthusiastic about your work. You just, yeah. <laughs> you're making, I mean, you're just uh, making it sound so exciting and so beautiful. Yes. And I know as I work on the, my projects, I constantly envision myself living in the house and walking through the space. And yeah, what do you absolutely. see out the windows and what do you see everywhere you go? Um, then I'm usually glad to come back to my house that I can vacuum from one plug point. <laughs> um, but it is a wonderful right. fantasy while you're going through the process. And I think it informs the design. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. We think about that stuff all the time. Like when I walk in, where do I put my keys? When I walk in yeah, from the garage, right. where do of I course. dump my stuff? So it's not in the view of everybody else. And, you know, all those, all those little things. When you get up in the morning, where yeah. do you go? Where do you, you know, where do you go to get in a shower and hang, yeah, your, yeah. hang your robe or, you know, those things are the little things that makes. Make yeah, it's, it's especially bit. important in a spec home because you don't have the client watching over saying, you know, I never had a place to put my keys. Where am I going right. to put my keys? So yeah, that's, um, you have to, that's the fun of it. I think the make believe part. Um, yeah. In what ways do you think that we'll all benefit from the specific gains of the Marisol Zero series in the future of new home building? You know, I just think there's so many lessons we learned here that we'll just naturally incorporate into the next projects. You know, simple things, just even in terms of specifying, you don't even have to change the design, but you can just specify using, uh, you know, certain recycled quant or, or content of steel. Like that doesn't, uh-huh. that doesn't hurt anyone. You just put a note on the plans and make sure that this steel is specified with this, you know, X yeah. amount of recycled content or, um, you know, choosing to, um, utilize induction cooktops, whether, or whether it's the, you know, the fact that we look, we've found these fantastic electric pool, pool heaters. Why do we need to specify the old <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. gas burning? Like, I think just, having that push to make every decision with um, the carbon agenda in mind has just brought so many new um, players to the forefront. And now that they're, now that they're part of our team and part of our awareness, it's going to be that much easier to utilize those moving forward. And, and I do believe, like I said, it's coming, you know, that, like I mentioned, the electrification of cities, 
it's coming. It may not be here next year, but it's going to be here in some years. And, and, you know, we feel like we're at the forefront now. So now we're, it's not something new that we're going to be forced to do. It's something that we've already been doing for years and we're, it's normal, you know? Yeah. I, I hope someone's doing a book about it. I mean, so that we can all, you know, there should be, you know, a how to with, you know, lists of all these things to consider and, and in what ways they impact. I, I would hope there will be, maybe, maybe I'll have to contact Crown Point about that. <laughs> Absolutely. I would love do. to be part of that. Yeah. And how does it feel to be such an integral part of such an important and cutting edge design project? Oh man, I, I'm, I'm just thrilled to be part of it. I, I'm, you know, I'm thrilled to the, the Crown Point team and Scott specifically for pushing this agenda and being all in at every turn. Um, you know, I'm thrilled that they brought on the consultants that we worked with uh-huh. so that, you know, you know, we benefited from that too. You know, we've, we've learned through this process and all of us by, um, you know, pushing ourselves to not just go with the status quo and just ask more questions. It, I think it, it, really came out to be a really exciting project. And, you know, again, we learned from this one and now we're now we're, what's exciting yeah. about it is that they're four. So yeah, it's not like we right, did this right. one on one and it's yeah, done. And that's right. I think that's done. really important is, yeah. that, you know, in the concept of doing this is developing it over the course of four homes. Right. And we just get, we get to keep refining our knowledge and we get to keep trying new things and, and, um, you know, getting to be really experts in, in, in this type of construction, this type of design and, uh-huh. and what it takes to do this right. So I think, you know, I'm excited to be on this journey with them and I'm, I'm excited to be at the forefront of it, um, you know, at least in, in Malibu and, and showing that we can still do really beautiful, amazing architecture and that that architecture is not in any way um, impacting the world negatively. hindered by the, by, by the carbon agenda. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thrilled just to be talking about it in the early stage of it and understanding it and seeing where, you know, the technology takes us in build new building and renovations. Uh, is there anything else you want to, to add to your experience of this? No, just that it's anything overall. I, to ask? <laughs> I know you covered it really well. Um, Thank you. Just that it was, you know, it was a great experience and, you know, obviously there's a learning curve and we're excited to continue this process and also not just with Marisol, but utilize what we've learned with this development team on all of our other projects going forward, knowing that we now have this knowledge base that we can, um, you know, help other people who maybe don't have the full carbon agenda, but we can still keep incorporating those, those techniques and, Mm -hmm. and you know, that analysis into these other homes and just make it a normal. It's not, it's not an added expense. It's not an added time. We're just making smarter choices all the way around for, for all our clients. Right. And then, you know, as long as the technology exists and it's utilized, it will become mainstream in, in over time. And that's what we want. That's, you know, that's the the way to do it one step at a time. And these are four steps at a time, which is awesome. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining me. It was absolutely thrilling to imagine these spaces and we'll try to um, do get some kind of visual up on the website for our listeners to be able to, you know, take a look at, at what we've been talking about. Great, and great. Uh, yeah, that will be a great thing. So thanks again. And yeah, I look forward to um, finding more topics to talk to you about. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, thank you again. for having me. I appreciate You're welcome. it. Thank you so much. If this episode has inspired your interest Go to www.buaia.com where you can find amazing photographs and much more information. 
We have taken the time away from our conversation about building a new home in the course of this year because I feel it is important to know what the options will be both now and in the future for modular homes, container homes, and environmentally conscious home building and rebuilding. Our listeners will remember that we are in the framing stage of our imaginary home and during this phase we are deciding on the interior details of our kitchen and bathrooms, designing all the cabinetry and built-ins, which we have talked about in previous episodes, please go to www.fromdisastertodreamhome.com for the entire list of previous shows. In the future episodes, we're gonna talk about confirming our lighting design plan and choosing fixtures, designing our molding and ceiling details, and selecting our countertop materials. We look forward to hearing from you with any questions or comments please reach out through the website. Thank you for joining us on this episode of From Disaster to Dream Home, the podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process. Each week, we bring you time-tested practices and the latest trends through conversations with top professionals in the building industry. You can find other episodes of From Disaster to Dream Home at EWNPodcastNetwork.com, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and most other major podcast streaming services. Need design help? You can contact us or find out more about our guests at FromDisasterToDreamHome.com. Until next time, let us guide and inspire you as you create the home of your dreams. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.